Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. I'm, I'm really looking forward to these coming to church every day. I, I enjoy it. You know, it's a, it's a good thing to be able to come and worship the Lord. And it's a special time when you're coming in revival to worship the Lord. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, it's going to take God's people to surrender. And I'm going to tell you, I was thinking about this today, and the Lord kept bringing it to my mind. The only way that we're going to, that God's people, any of us, are going to be able to get closer to God, to come to know him in a greater way, is to put Jesus Christ first in our lives before anything. And I'm not just talking to the people here of the church. I'm talking to me too. For all of us, we're going to have to put Jesus Christ first because you're not going to know God. Without Jesus, you're not going to know him in a greater way. You're not going to come to know him. And he's not going to reveal himself to you until you put his son first. And I'm not talking about in words, but I'm talking about in deed, in faith, and in action. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for action. He's looking for people that will put him before everything in their lives, no matter what it is. Put him first. Show up for him. That's what God is looking for. And when you do that, he'll move. That's when God's going to move in people, when we surrender, when we accept the change. And that's what this revival is really all about for the person that's saved. For those that are not, it's to draw those people to Jesus Christ. But what it's all about for people that are saved, it's about God wanting to make a change in us. That's what it's all about. And that's what I want in my life. I want to change. I want to know Jesus Christ in a greater way. I want him to reveal himself to me in a greater way. But he won't do it unless I surrender to him and put him above and before anything and put him in the center of everything in my life. That's what it's going to take. I don't care who you are, and it's the same for every one of us. God don't change. He's the same for every one of us. And that's what we're going to have to do. If we want to see God move in this revival, if we want to see God move in the future, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to surrender to him as an individual. And I'm going to tell you something. Other people can do what they want to, but I want God to move in my life. And by his grace and his mercy, put him first, and he will. He'll move. Heavenly Father, I come before you this evening, and I want to thank you, God, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace, God. I thank you for Calvary, Lord. I thank you for your precious blood that you shed for us. God, I'm asking you this evening, God, to change us, Lord, to help us, God, to draw us closer to you, Lord God, and help us to always put your son first in our lives, God, and not just in word, God, but in action, indeed, in the way we live every day, not just in this church, God, but outside this church in our lives, God. Help us to put Jesus Christ first, and then, and only then, God, will we see you move. And God, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus told me that I could be saved to have victory over death, hell, and the grave. And my chains are broken now.
Because Jesus crushed his head and set me free. My chains are broken, now I have new life. You know I'm free to sing and shout and testify. When I think of all the Lord has done for me. Well, my soul cries out, I have the victory. crushed his head and set me free my chains are broken now I have new life well I'm free to sing and shout and testify when I think of all the Lord has done for me well my soul cries out I have the victory I got the Holy Ghost the shadow of death. I don't fear no evil at all. Yes, I got victory over the enemy. Oh, this whole world can't do me no harm. Well, I got victory over the enemy. And the world can't do me no harm. Well, it's the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. Well, it's all over me, and it's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me Well, it's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. 
to be like, well, where's everybody at? Well, don't worry about them. We're here, amen. Some people might have issues going on. They could be sick. They could be facing some demonic powers from hell. So instead of us being like, where's she at? Where's he at? They should be here. Well, you should be here too, and you are here. Maybe you should walk out the door and come back in and say, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on what you want me here for. And I'm not saying we're coming in that way, but if we are to, let us never forget that people go through things and they face things just as much as everybody else. Some may be even greater, depending on different roles that God has for them, but it is no different. Amen. So there's people that might be out and might pray for Adam's mom. There's people that are sick, that are dying, that need Jesus, and we're sitting worried about that they're not here. You know, it's it's we should attend, we should be here. If you have there's no reason to not be here, you should be here. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. But there's things that go on in people's hearts and lives that we don't know about. You never know what someone's going through. You never know what's going on in their life. But that's no excuse to not come. And if you are watching and you know you should be here, you better get here. (laughs) We still have regular services after revival. If you want to make up for it, you can always come on those services. But we are thankful for those who are here and who have come. And we thank everyone for your obedience, your attendance, for your giving, for your faithfulness, for your prayers, support, everything. Nothing goes unnoticed from a person that just prays at home to the singer, to the saint, to everybody in this place. It doesn't matter what you do. God sees it. You might feel like it's nothing in your eyes, but in his eyes, it's everything. Amen. That's all that matters. We should be here for one reason only, and that's to worship him and to come to expect for ourselves. Amen. We can't worry about who's not here, who's here, what they're doing, what's going on. Let's just put our minds to ease and say, Lord, touch me. Touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my spirit. Help me to pray for those that aren't here to encourage that they do come 
and keep spreading the word because we still have tomorrow night left and we have Sunday morning, Sunday night services like normal and they can still come out for revival. You don't have to just, if you don't come to revival, you can't come. That's not true. If you miss, come on anyways. We don't care. Come late. It doesn't matter. If you're just now seeing this, come on. We don't care. We'll be here a while. Long-winded preacher. So we'll be here a little while. <laughs> just teasing. But don't worry about who's here and not here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll take up the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, all that you're going to do. We ask that you would touch us tonight, God that you would use us in a great and mighty way, that as we step out by faith more, that you would increase your anointing, Lord, your power, that we can't do anything in ourselves, Lord, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, God. So we ask that we would have our eyes fixed and focused on you tonight, not worried about who's here, who's not here, what's going on tomorrow, what's going on after church, that we would just worry about what we came here for that you would bless our hearts, bless those that watch, Lord, bless those who will come later, maybe tomorrow or this Sunday, Lord, that you would bring people in, Lord, that we would be a witness to those who need you, God, those that are bound, Lord, that you would set them free, Lord, that you'd bring them through these doors, that you would deal with their hearts, Lord, those that have run from you, that need to run back to you, Lord, we ask that you would bring them through these doors, because that's what we're here for, we're a hospital for the hopeless, Lord, so we ask that you would meet the needs, God, and tell us in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart and I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself it's not what you much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart and I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you yes it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus, King of endless words. No one could express how much you deserve. And though I'm weak and I'm poor, Lord, all I have is yours.
song in itself. It's not what you have required. And you search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. In a light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. You opened my eyes and let me see beauty that made this heart adore.
Powerful song. That's those kind of songs draw you into the presence of the Lord. That's what they're intended to do. The music of the world won't do that for you. I was talking with somebody the other night about gospel songs, country music singers uh, singing gospel songs. I think me and you talked about it, didn't we? And the country music song, you singers, you know, there's a lot of them, they sing some of the, the gospel songs and stuff, but they don't live any of it. And, they, and how do you know that? Well, watch what they do when they're not singing gospel songs. Where, where are the concerts at? What are they doing? What are they promoting? Yeah, you know, and, and music, if, it don't matter even... Um, there's been people, country singers, uh, sing a lot of gospel songs, some that you might say maybe God could touch a person through if that person was really seeking. But that's not the kind of people that I want to draw my spiritual sustenance from. I want to get it from somebody who walks with the Lord, who knows him, at least knows him. And they're not out living another lifestyle the next weekend. You know what I'm saying? And God can touch anybody. He can. Somebody that's truly searching. You made a statement a while back about how when you was not where you need to be with the Lord, God used a, not wasn't a gospel song, not so much a secular song. I don't know what it was, but you said God spoke to you through it. But that's not God's means of ministering to people. He can use anything. Uh, you know, he can. But as a rule, you want to hear, you want to listen to somebody that's, Anointed somebody that's at least living for the Lord. They're not singing on Sunday and in a bar room on Monday. Amen? There's, there's enough of that stuff. I'll get off of that. Tonight, open your Bibles with me to Joel chapter 2. It's good to see everybody tonight. Glad you made it tonight. Good to see everybody that came out. Hope to see more people tomorrow. I told my wife, you know, we were talking about the services and how they kind of go. I said, you know, it's like when you go to Africa, you get there, you know, we start services on Wednesday night, but I'm telling you, there's a handful of people on Wednesday night. Then Thursday night, might be a few more. Then about Friday, there's more. And Saturday, it's a lot of people. And by the end of the week, they're all there. 
Well, where's everybody at? They're out in the fields, out trying to make a living, out chasing a dollar, out doing everything that the world does. And, you know, I, I'm going to deal with some of that in my message tonight. It's ironic God gave me this. I was reading this this morning. He gave me some things that actually will address some of that stuff. You know, the real problem with the church is that she was singing a song. People have left their first love. And Lord put this in my heart today. Jesus can't be your second love. First. And this is what's wrong with the nation. This is what's wrong with our churches in America, around the world. And so people are just going about their everyday business, Christians. And then come Sunday, it's time for God. But you don't see much evidence that he's there Monday through Friday or Saturday. And this is what I think the Lord is trying to break through. To his people, you said it about surrendering to him. Some people seem to have this idea that if if I surrender to God, my life won't be what I want. Well, you're partly right. But you'll be satisfied. You'll be happy. You'll be excited. His will doesn't make you miserable. His will, when you get in it and you follow it, Yeah, it's hard at times, but you're not miserable. You know, it ain't a misery to come to church when you're in his will. It ain't a misery to to, to do the things of God when you're in his will. And I think that's where the Lord's trying to get the church in these last days. Joel chapter 2, verse 16 says this, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders... Gather the children and those who suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and give not your heritage to reproach that the heathens should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yes, the Lord will answer. Boy, that's good. The Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall Be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. We'll stop there and let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight for your word, Lord. We thank you for your spirit, for your presence, for your anointing. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would take over tonight in me, through my heart, my life, through the church, through the people, through those watching, Lord. Lord, we know that we're in some dangerous times. The church is sleeping, and you're trying to wake us up. You're trying to wake up lazy Christians. You're trying to pull people back to their first love, to Jesus Christ. Lord, we know it. We see it. We feel it, God. And, Lord, we ask that you would use 
this church. Use us, Lord, to be a small part of what you want to do in these last days. Lord, just help us to reach our town. Help us to reach our city. Help us to reach our area. Help us to reach wherever you send us, God, that people can see Jesus, that that they can see that we're not religious, but we know you that we live what we say we live, that we live what we preach, that we're the same everywhere we go, Lord, that we don't change, and that, Lord, we live this life that Jesus died to give us. Help us tonight, God, to move among us, move in us, move through us, touch every person in this place tonight. God, the people tonight that are watching that want to be here, that can't be here, I pray that you touch them Those that are sick, Lord, you know who they are. You know what they need. And, God, I'm asking you to touch them, strengthen them, make them whole. And, Lord, let the Spirit of God move through this church, through that camera tonight, and touch your people, Lord. Save the lost, heal the sick, and raise the dead, Lord. Lord, raise the spiritual dead back to life, Lord. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say the devil's been fighting some of y'all, and I, I got a feeling it's because of he don't want you here during these services. But I'm going to tell you, you're about that close to a breakthrough. You're about that close to getting you something you ain't had in a long time. I feel it in my spirit, and God's going to be the one that's going to do it for you. And when he does, brother, look out because it's going to be good. So the, devil, the devil don't want people... Assembled, He don't want people gathering together to hear the gospel, to praise God, to come where they can hear the truth because he knows that the truth, whenever it is accepted, that it will make people free. And you need to remember that. The Bible says, again, in Joel chapter 2, a lot of this that I read tonight refers to end-time events. A lot of this is referring a lot... uh, mostly to Jerusalem or Judah of the day in that time. But as we read this, we, we, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of end-time prophecy given in these chapters, but there's also practical Christian applications that we today can apply to ourselves, to our day, to our time. What, what God called his people to do then, he still calls us to do Today, and the, the the setting is that that there was a famine at this time of locusts. The land of Israel, the land of Judah, had been devoured with locusts, with with a swarms of locusts. And you know, when when you read the Bible and you see where that many times the children of Israel went through these these dark famines and these these pestilence and this stuff, God allowed these things to come. I want to tell you, sometimes when you're going through a real dry area, God has allowed it to come because He wants to speak to you, because He wants to touch you, because He wants to do something in you. And this, they were they were overtaken by locusts, and these were judgments that were being poured out, listen, on God's people. Judgments being poured out on God's people who had strayed from Jehovah. Although they made profession with their lips that they're Christian, 
that they know God, but their hearts were far from Him. How do you know that? Because of conduct. Come on, somebody. The way you conduct yourself says everything about what you profess. If you profess to be a Christian, but you're out in a lounge tonight getting drunk, you're wrong. You're deceived and you're on your way to hell. If you call yourself a Christian and you're shacked up with the gays and the lesbians and the homosexuals and you think you're saved, you're deceiving yourself. Conduct says everything. Come on, somebody. You call yourself a Christian, but you're living in darkness outside these doors. You better wake up tonight and you better hear the word of the Lord because there's no drunkard, there's no homosexual, there's no lesbians, there's no effeminate, there's not going to be all these things, sins practice here. You think you're going to live here and you're going to live anything, any way you want and you're going to march through the pearly gates of heaven. You are deceived, my friend. God is calling His people out of darkness, out of sin, out of bondage. You can't go to heaven living like the devil. Whether you want to hear it or not, you're going to hear the truth. You can't. This is what's wrong with the church. People need to be woken up. Because we got those love everybody preachers. Just tell everybody how great they are. Don't say anything about sin. Don't you tell me about my lifestyle. Don't you, don't you point your finger and tell me that sex outside of marriage is a sin. Don't you tell me that. What does the Bible say about it? I'm referring to you what God's Word says about it. Marriage is honorable, the Bible says, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers God will judge. That's what it says. God will judge. You see, you you got to be careful that you ain't professing something that you're not possessing. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Listen. Became a sacrifice, shed his blood. Not just to save you to come here on a Sunday morning or whenever you show up to do your thing. He did it to set you free and to make you different out there. To make you different on your job. To make you different out at Walmart. To make you different out in this world. Listen, this profession of Christianity ain't going to get it. We need some possession. You say you know the message of the cross. We need some possession, praise God. We, the Bible said that we are a peculiar people. We are separated from the world. We ain't like the world. Come on, somebody. We don't live like them. We don't act like them. We don't walk like them. We don't talk like them. We're going in a whole nother direction. They're heading in darkness, and praise God, we're heading to the light. They're going to hell, and we're going to heaven. They're walking down a dark road, but I'm walking up the king's highway tonight in righteousness and in holiness and it ain't mine Jesus gave it to me praise God so I can stand tonight and say that I am free by the power of God I'm not a servant of the devil I'm not a drunkard I'm not an alcoholic I'm not a pervert I am washed in the blood of the Lamb my life has been changed because Jesus set me free and that's what he told me to tell everybody watching through that camera and everybody that comes through the doors of this church if you need freedom tonight, Jesus has already given it. Darkness, locust, famine, 
God said, y'all sleeping, so I got to wake you up with some sickness, some disease, some pestilence. You're drifting, so I got to send a little judgment. Look at America. We were talking about just four church. He said, and I said this not long ago. He said, America is just as much dangerous as where we live now. America is as much dangerous as Africa. As dangerous as a Muslim country. He said, talking about driving down through Chattanooga. Somebody shot and killed every day. America. You know why? Because the church ain't where they need to be. Because Christianity ain't what it should be. This assembling on a Sunday and getting drunk on Friday ain't going to get it. Come on, so this assembling on Sunday and sleeping around with everybody's wife or girlfriend on through the week, it ain't going to get it, church. God is calling His people to holiness. And if you think that as a Christian you can practice sin, listen, the locusts are coming your way. Famine is coming. A famine of soul is coming your way. If you think you can live any way you want to live and get on to Facebook and talk about God, the famine is coming to your soul. And there ain't but one thing that's going to stop the plague. And it ain't a doctor. It ain't a psychiatrist. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me tonight? When you read a description of everything that was about that God said was going to take place in the last days, she preached about it last Sunday, Revelation. In time events and all the things that are coming to the world, especially Israel. And you have to wonder how this came to me today, and I had I had to think about this, thinking about Israel. It's sad what's happening. Shouldn't be happening. The United States ought to be backing them one hundred percent. They ought to be helping taking terrorists out and do what Donald Trump did. Do what Donald Trump did. But we ain't got a president with no backbone. He's bought by everybody in every foreign country. He's getting the money. And as long as he gets the money, he's going to go along with everybody. But you know what? You ain't getting over on God, my friend. You ain't getting by with what you're doing. Your blood money is going to perish with you, my friend. All these bunch of crooked politicians, they're on their way to hell, my friend. And the only answer for them is to do what we do. We got to repent and ask Jesus to forgive us and to heal our land. Praise God. And Israel is what's going on but you have to wonder is God also allowing these enemies because of all of these thousands of years here they had the Messiah and they're still rejecting him still rejecting Jesus Christ but yet God says they're still my people that's still my land that's, still, that's, that's the nation I started with and that's the nation I'm going to end with. But you know what? The same thing that's happening to them is happening here. We're being overtaken by enemies from within. Government. Wicked leaders. Worse than ISIS. Worse than some radical Muslims. 
who don't care about this country. They don't care about your God. That's why, look, they hate God. They hate Jesus Christ because if they love Him, they would love His Word. If they love Him, they'd get back to in God we trust. If they loved Him, they'd get back to what the Bible says that a man is and a woman is. If they loved Him, they wouldn't go along with all the bunch of perverseness and crookedness that's going on in Washington. But God has got a people that still love Him. And they ain't hired by nobody. They ain't getting a big fat paycheck to just go along with everything everybody wants to promote. And God is calling His people and this church here tonight for you also to stand up for His Word. Stand up for the Gospel and stand on Jesus Christ and you learn how to say a man is a man and a woman is a woman and that child can't change his sex. Praise God because God made him who he is. Your workplaces are going to be enforcing it more. What are you going to do? Go along with it? The pressure's coming. It started from Washington. We see it's filtered out to every segment of society. Workplaces now where people can get fired if they say that a man is a man or a woman is a woman. If they object to somebody saying that you can change your sex. And we wonder what's wrong with America. We become so stupid, we don't even know what a man is and a woman is. We become so delusioned and so ignorant because we don't know this. And yet altogether, that's the whole thing that this nation was founded upon, the Bible, America. If America is such an evil, bad nation, why does everybody want to come here? It's still the land of the free. Well, what freedoms we got left. But that's why they want to come here. That's why you see a lot of them, and, and I, I understand they, they want to come because they're tired of poverty. They're tired of the, the ravaged stuff they live in, and they think, man, they look at this, and they think, hey, look, seven, a $7 an hour job here is like being rich to some people in some of these other countries. Seven, I mean, $10 now is like really being 15 or 20 Wow, man, I'm rich. But this nation was founded upon biblical principles. Remember anybody remember when you were in school? Every morning, a moment of silence, you stood up and you all faced the flag and you put your hand over your heart and you said, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And nobody got upset, nobody cried, nobody cussed, nobody fussed. Everybody was proud to be an American. But today we got people, they don't want to stand with the hand on, they want to bow their knee to Baal. They want to bow down to the God of this world, but I ain't bowing down to him. 
I'm the only one I'm bowing to is Jesus Christ, praise God. He gave us the liberty. He gave me the liberty tonight to stand right here in this town, in this pulpit, and look through a camera where people can watch all over the world and tell you that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died to set you free. And I won't just tell you through a camera. I'll tell you out there on a street corner. I'll tell you to your face. And I got the liberty and the freedom and ain't no Nobody gonna stop me. The church needs to stand up. Because judgment is here. Famine is here. America is going like this all the time. And God is letting it happen because He's trying to wake us up. Jesus is coming. The church is leaving, and hell is coming upon this earth like it has never seen. And God is so compassionate and so long-suffering that he's waiting and waiting and waiting so that as many people will give their life to Jesus and come into his kingdom. That's the only reason I could think he's still waiting. That's the only thing that can make me that God, to think that God can look down on this earth and look at America and see all the bloodshed, see all the killed babies killed, to see all the drunkenness, the, the idolatry, the perversion, and God still says, I'm going to wait a while. God still says, because God is looking to reach somebody. He wants to use me. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use all of us to tell somebody that Jesus Christ can save them and deliver them and set them free. That's our mission, church. That's our goal here. When you read the prophecies of what was coming, God said this is what's coming, darkness, blackness. Seems like everybody's went haywire since COVID. Fruit loops. People still running around outside with a mask on. Riding down the road in a car with one, yeah. I'd never figured that one out. I guess they're afraid the air conditioner is going to give them COVID. <laughs> and we've seen all kinds of stuff since this stuff has happened. We've seen somebody said America has sped up about 20 years. Just in a few years, things have sped up so fast. And it has. Technology, the technology we have, who would ever thought you would have the technology that we have? Who remembers huh, the old days of getting on the telephone and going, zoo, zoo. you couldn't wait till that thing, you had to dial that thing and wait for it to come back. And you're on the phone trying to hurry up and talk to your friend, zoo, you got to wait for it to retract back. You get on that phone, remember you go outside the door and you shut the door so mom and daddy, everybody couldn't hear you on the conversation with your friends on the phone, had that cord stretched way outside. <laughs> well, some of you in now, now some, well, some of you in here now, a little old enough to remember the, the little single-handed phone you just pick up, and, and you could talk to the operator, couldn't you? She could connect you to somebody. Now that's way before my time. And you thought that was something, didn't you, man? 
to have a, even to have a phone in our home like that, to have access to get on there and dial that rotary and call my friends. Oh boy, that was the thing. I, that's how I talked to people. But today, we have access through electronics. You remember, you remember when you had, had to, if you wanted to call somebody in another state, it, and on a payphone, it cost you a lot. Or you call collect, or you could run somebody else's bill up. Or you had to keep sinking quarters into the telephone. And you thought that was uptown. You thought you were something. And talk to somebody in another state. But now you got a phone where you can call. You not just talk to somebody in a state. Talk to somebody on the other side of the world. Those The phones, electronics, nothing, that doesn't mean they're all evil. But there is evil perpetrated from those things too. That's how a lot of your terrorist groups communicate. You know, our our president, they said a day or so ago, they revealed through somebody posting something on social media about it was I think I think it was about a operation that they were planning to use some secret service men or whoever was special operatives and some dummy went on there and posted it online for everybody to know and to see the faces of the people that they're going to try to use <laughs> it's like saying hey enemy look now this is what I'm going to do to you and I'm going to show you the people that's coming to you you don't give the enemy your secrets you don't give the enemy your location. But evil, I'll get off the phones, evil is being ramped up more and more and more. So we're living, I think we're living in a time of the last days, but we're in a famine in America. And just as Israel, the reason they were there, here's why they were there, because they had strayed, let's make this simple, strayed from God. What did the book of Revelation say over and over in the first three chapters? You have left your first love. You know, only two churches of the seven were really commended. Now, I don't think we could, we could use that ratio today. I'm thinking more maybe out of like one out of a hundred here and there. But two out of the seven were commended somewhat. And the rest, you hear those words, you need to repent and come back to your first love. Now, that, 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 that was saying that you need to come back to the cross, but you need to listen, come back. Number one, understand this. You need to come back to Jesus Christ because He is a person. Jesus is a person. You know, you're, some of you, those of you that are married, you are married to a person. You talk to that person or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. You talk to that person. Imagine if you went for weeks and months or years and you never talked to that person. Okay, let's say you, but you talked about that person. Oh, you talk about that person, but when you see the person, you don't even talk to the person. You don't even know what you're doing. You, you're not even having a fellowship with the very one that you're talking to people about. Come on, somebody. Fellowship. 
Relationship. You talk to God and you don't just talk to Him on Sunday, praise God. You don't just talk to Him on Wednesday. You talk to Him on Monday. You talk to Him on the job. Talk to Him in your prayer closet. Talk to Him when you're sick. Talk to Him when you don't feel good. Talk to Him because He wants to hear from you. Well, listen. The talk is not going to be so good if you're trying to come to Him with sin in your life. And that's why a lot of people aren't going. Because you can't have a relationship with God and have sin in your life. Practicing sin. You can't, you can't go out tonight on Friday night and run the bars and the lands with your buddies and go get drunk and think you're going to get up in the morning and go have a good conversation with God and he's going to just bless you, bless you. You better quit listening to them lying preachers. You better turn them off and you better get in the word of God. You need to repent. You need to stop it. You need deliverance. That ain't Christianity. That's fake. A day of darkness and gloominess, he said it was coming. But listen, this is what he said after he, t- after he gives a description, after Joel gives a description of all the things that are coming. Listen to what God says to his people. And I think that he is saying this to us tonight. In verse 12, he said, Therefore also now says the Lord. Okay, he's given the bad news. Darkness is coming. Destruction is It's coming, and it's coming because you have left your first love. You're worshiping idols. You're making idols out of the things of the world. You're too much in love with football. You can't get to church because the football game's on. Can't get to church because the race is on. Can't get to church because you're too busy in the bass boat. Can't get to church because you're too busy running here, running there. We better wake up. There says, therefore now also says the Lord, turn you even to me with all your heart. All of it. You keep saying it, and I know it's the Lord, surrender. Not just tonight, in the morning, at lunch. You know that, do you know that life would be so much easier on us. Do you know that your job would be better? You could handle it better if you just surrender. If you just give up and really let Jesus take over. Remember how it all started with him, how so much in love you were with him? Remember how you just couldn't wait to get to church? Remember? I mean, if they mentioned revival to you back then, a man, praise God, I'm going and I'm going to get some. Come on, go to church with me. Well, how are you doing now? Could it be that the reason the fire's gone and the desire is gone and you don't really care about being here is because you have, he ain't left us we walk away from Him. 
And we can sit on a church poop, but our heart can be far from Him. He wants to be real on your job. He wants to be real in your church. He wants to be real in your family. He wants to be real. This fake Christianity has got to go. This professing something we ain't possessing has got to leave. It's time for us to repent and let Jesus make a change in our life. And we want to see Athens saved. And we want to see people around this town brought out of darkness, then we're going to have to get right ourselves. Come on. We're going to have to learn to live what we preach so that they'll see that we ain't like everybody else. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be what God made me to be. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want to be bold. I want to stand for the word. I don't want to back down. I want to be what God has made me to be. The way I preach here, I preach it in Africa. The message don't change. My demeanor don't change. Preach the same way in Mexico. Preach the same way in Pakistan in a Muslim nation. Preach the same thing. Because the gospel don't change. It's Jesus for the world. It's Jesus for Athens. It's Jesus for Sweetwater. It's Jesus for Nyota. Jesus for Cleveland. Church of God needs Jesus. Assemblies of God needs Jesus. They need the message of the cross a whole lot more than they know they do. The world needs Jesus. And until they accept Him, there's not going to be any peace in your heart and life. Some of you listening to me tonight, your life is a mess. It's a wreck. You're watching through the camera. And the Holy Ghost has got you glued there because He's trying to shake you. He's telling you you're on the wrong road. You're going to hell. But if you're listening to what this preacher is telling you tonight, you can have what I got. You can have what these people here have. You can have it. But all you got to do is surrender. Surrender! It means you got to give up. Quit fighting with God. Quit running from God. I did it. Boy, it's painful. Whew, it hurts. All those years of being a heathen and running from God when I had a mama trying to chase you down, trying to get you right and whip you over the head and... Tell you your lifestyle ain't right. You need to be quit shacking up. You need to get married. You need to do things right. All that stuff running, being hard-headed, and you ain't going to tell me what to do. I ain't listening to you. I'm staying away from you. That's how I'll fix this problem. I'll just stay away from you. I'll just isolate myself. I won't call you no more. I won't come to your house, and I'll just stay away from you because I don't want to hear you tell me about how wrong my life is. But hold on because God says I'm going to confront you, and I'm going to use the very one that you don't want to listen to to bring you to me. Hard-headed, stubborn, mean, eat up with sin, running from God. I remember some of them church services my mama dragged us to. Didn't want to be there. Hated it. I didn't want to be in no church. I'd rather be out drinking somewhere. I'd rather been out with my friends, or I thought they were my friends. Let me tell you, listen to me. You young people, listen, you think, some of you think you got some friends. <laughs> Just wait. You, you made some fellowships with some people of the world that, who try to, they draw you in, think, make you think they really love you. They really 
care about you. But you just wait. Because you're going to find out it's a lie. It's a scheme of the devil. And you're going to hit rock bottom. Something's going to happen. It's because I'm going to tell you what, what happened is God, see, God's people did this at times. And when they made a league with the enemies, God let things happen to split them up. To get them away from one another. Because he knows what's good for us and what's not. He knows who is good for us and who is not good for us. Everybody ain't your friend. And I know you young people, you think you got life by the tail. You think it's a party hearty. It's all I'm going to be. I'm going to live forever. You're going to find out. Sooner or later, it's going to hurt if you don't listen to the Lord and follow his word and separate yourself from the world. The world don't love you. Jesus said they don't. He said they hated him and they're going to hate you. And who, who likes to be hated? I don't want to be hated, but I know I got haters. I don't like it that people despise me or hate me. or, or je- I, I don't like that a bit because I don't have anything against anybody. But see, that's the way people are when they don't follow the Lord, when they don't follow God's will. When you're not walking in the Spirit, when you're not surrendering to Jesus, the only results that can be produced is the flesh. Jealousy, envy, strife, bitterness, backbiting, talking about everybody. That's the, that's the results of the flesh. And it happens in the church. I wish I could say it doesn't, but it does. Not supposed to. But the reason it happens is because there's something wrong in here. We entertain gossip. We listen to stuff we shouldn't listen to from people. We just turn everybody on and hear everybody. You can't do that. You got to have a filter. The Holy Ghost is your filter. I tell you what, he'll filter some stuff out and he'll filter some people out. (laughs) He'll bring some people into your life and he'll get some people out of your life. I've seen it many times. When God was watching out for me when I couldn't see exactly where I was going. Turn to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and mourning. What did Paul say to the church and was it 1 Corinthians chapter 5 whenever he addressed the issue of the man who was having an affair with his father's wife. There was an incest thing going on. Shouldn't have been going on. And Paul said, I'm really shocked basically that you all are not mourning over this man that's doing this deed but rather you're all still rejoicing, acting like it's no big deal. When you ought to be mourning, you ought to, you, instead of laughing, you ought to be praying. You ought to, you, and instead of you accepting him and saying, oh, it's okay, we're under grace, you ought to put him away from you. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved. So see, as long as he's in that condition committing that sin, he ain't right with God. Did you hear that? He's not right with God so that his spirit may be saved. 
And then you got people in the church, oh, hey, we're under grace. Well, the preacher on television told me that I'm covered under grace, so it don't matter that, that I do the things that I'm doing. It's sin, grace is greater than sin, so my sin don't matter, so I can sin all I want to. No, you ain't going to come out and say that, but that's what you're saying. You got these preachers preaching this stuff, and you got Christians listening to this stuff, and people are being deceived. So where is it leading people into? It's leading them into a sinful lifestyle. So how are we going to invite somebody to church? How are we going to invite somebody to come and get free from drugs or alcohol or, or pornography and all this stuff if we are participating in it? This is exactly what happened with God's people. They left their first love. Verse 13 said, rend your heart. Rend your heart. Listen, your heart and not your garments. You know what that refers to? The inward man. It's the heart, it's the soul of man that God wants to mend. It's the heart that's broken that God wants to fix. It's the heart, it's the soul that's bound up by sin. You see, and, and, and no matter what we profess outside, the outward actions have got to, look, or the outward life has got to line up with the inside. The inside's got to line up with the outside. Do you hear me? Rend your hearts and not your garments. So, see, people can get on the internet. Oh, I see them, they get on Facebook, and boy, they can make a good show and act like they're all spiritual and some Christian and be some of the most evil people you ever met in your life, some of the most wicked people, and say, I know the message of the cross and blah, 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 and all that stuff, but your actions ain't lining up with your mouth. Your heart ain't lining up. Your conduct is not lining up with God's Word. Rend your heart. That's a tearing of the heart. That's a breaking. It's a mourning. It's a realizing that your sin is awful, that, that it's, it's no good. It's controlling you. It's hurting you. It's harming you. And you ain't going to run around boasting about it. You ain't going to run around bragging about it. Praise God. You're going to get to weeping before God, especially when you come to church and the preacher preaches on it and the Holy Ghost starts touching your soul. And you say, oh, that's me, Lord. I can't wait to get to that altar so I can get touched and get set free from this stuff. Lord, I need it. But now we sit there and say, I wonder how much more longer he's going to preach. How long am I going to have to listen to this? Here you are. Right here. You just let me come do my Sunday thing and leave me alone. Rend your heart, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Look, we're under the new covenant now. Under the old covenant, Jesus had not come, so they looked forward to the Messiah. But you know what? He's come now. He's been crucified, buried, raised from the dead, not just to save me, but to set us free from the bondages of the flesh so we don't have to be a laughing stock to the world so the world can't sit and make fun of us and say, well, they're telling me not to drink, but look at them. You see, church, this is where we got to get on track. We got to repent and come back to Jesus and let Him work in our heart. Turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious. Michaela talked about some of it tonight. I asked her to take up the offering. She went to preaching a little bit. 
He's gracious and merciful. But see, that seems to be all that the church wants to hear. He's so good. He's gracious and merciful. Uh-uh, only to those who hear his word and obey it. There's some ifs in the Bible. And I think we're ignoring the ifs. There's some conditions. The condition is that you follow God's way. The condition is that you surrender your heart. The condition is that you let him change you. You don't come to this church to be a a statue on a pew. You come here to hear the word so you can be changed, so you can be challenged, so you can be touched, so you can leave here with something, so you can take it back to the Philippines. Amen? Well, they'll be hidden next week. Can I go with you? said, them pretty mountains and everything nearby where they live. He said, we need to try to get you over there to preach sometimes. I said, I'd love to. He said, well, it rains a lot where we're at. He said, get us some dry months. Orchestrate a meeting. Get us outside. Let's go preach and tear the devil's kingdom down. He is merciful. God is merciful. He is slow to anger. I'm so glad he is. He ain't like me and you. First time we see somebody do something wrong, he says, I see it. I'm just waiting on you to recognize it. Just repent of it. Come to me with it. He's not like us. He has a million times more patience than us, or more, more. He's slow to anger. He's not willing. He ain't standing ready to kill you when you sin. He's standing ready, waiting to hear you confess it, repent of it, and ask him to restore you, ask him to deliver you, ask him to change you. This is what the message of the cross does, church. It changes us. Does anybody want to be changed? Well, let me tell you, this change can't come through a doctor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist. It can only come through the message of the cross, through Jesus Christ. It comes through what He did, and you surrender to it. And when you fail, when you mess up, God ain't looking to kick you out and beat you up. He's ready and willing to forgive you. He's slow to anger, and He's of great kindness. And then he'll change, and it looks says, and repenteth him of the evil. That don't mean that God repents of things. That mean God means that God will change his direction at times when people meet his conditions. America could be turned around if they would meet his conditions. Back to this. Not the Quran, not the Jehovah's Witness doctrine, not the Mormon's Bible, not the Quakers and the religious folk and the Amish and the horse riders, the buggy travelers who think that because they live a certain lifestyle, they're really holy. No, you're not. Rules, rituals, traditions of men. See how I'm dressed? You know, this is my culture. Yeah, I see you. 
riding down the road in a buggy running 10 mile an hour because you're living under legalism and law keeping and I'm in a V6 car that can get down the road 50 miles an hour quicker than you can and I can get to my destination a whole lot easier because my life living for Jesus is a whole lot easier than your law keeping. Legalism and law keeping and we think we're something because we dress a certain way because we do something a certain way and God says, I don't want that stuff. I want your heart. I don't want the clothes you got on. I want your heart. I don't want your church. I don't want your religion. I want your heart. And repent of him of the evil. The next verse says this. Put it up there if you will. And who knows if he will turn and repent him and leave a blessing behind him. Boy, when we repent, when we let God have his way in our heart, you know what? Blessings come. Blessings come. America can see the blessings again. Our economy has been stripped. It's, it's hard on everybody. Wages are up, but the money just keeps to get thrown away. Yes, some jobs are paying a whole lot more money, but we got more poverty right now than we've probably seen in who knows how long. How many people are living off the government? More people, how many people in this town? I told him earlier, I see more homeless people in this town and stragglers than I've ever seen in my life. They go up and down the road every day up down there at that shop. I see them all the time. Do you know what? There's one thing about them. They don't have a whole lot, but they all got a phone. That's their means of getting by. That's their means of ripping people off. That's their means of stealing. That's their means of getting over on people. That's their means. But so he's told me something today that kind of touched me too about that because at the same time, some of those people can have that phone in their hand and come across this. Somebody preaching. And get under conviction and get saved. So that's the good side of it. That's what we want. Then the phone won't be your God anymore. The sports won't be your God anymore. The family won't be your God anymore. We mean family. God wants you to love your family, but you make you don't make a God out of your family. You don't put your family before his will. We don't worship one another. We worship God. He comes first for my life. First, you, your life. First, then your family. Then your church. Then your job. Then your whatever. He comes first. Verse 15 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. You know what that means? Preach the gospel. God didn't never say, Shut down in the midst of famine. He didn't ever say, stop preaching while people are hurting. Stop preaching while America is sinking. He never said to the church of the book of Acts, oh, I know y'all be beaten. You've been beaten. I know you've been lied on. And I know they're trying to shut you up and, and stamp you out. They don't want to hear my gospel. But he never said, stop preaching. He said, keep on preaching the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that refers to Athens, Tennessee, right here, right now. We're here preaching the gospel. Whether you want to hear it or whether you
you're going to hear it. You sent me something the other night, preach the truth whether it empties the church out or fills it up. That's how I've been preaching ever since I've been saved. I've, I've been in this church when we, well, we got more, more than that most of the time here now, but when we started out in the storefronts, three people maybe here or there, four people show up, good day maybe 10, 15. I remember one, at a time when we had about 40 to 50 people. Ooh, what happened? But then the truth got a little harder. And some of the folk that said they knew the message of the cross but didn't want the repentance part, didn't want the holiness part, living right part, didn't want the the fire that cleanses the heart and the tongue. Gone. Seen them come and go, come and go, come and go, come if all the people attended this church we're here since the day we started. We would have had to build that building a long time ago. And you got to wonder, how much further is God going to let this nation go before it's done? No. He ain't talking to me. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Well, that just refers to Israel. No, it refers to the church. Preach the gospel. Preach the blood. Blow the trumpet in Athens, Tennessee. Call a fast. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Oh my. I'm fixing to get it now. Call a solemn assembly. You know what that meant of that day? Call everybody together and get all of my people together and I want them to know that I want to heal them, that I want to preach to them, that I want to change them. Bring everybody together. Let them know there's a revival in Athens, Tennessee. Call a solemn assembly and invite people to come. Call a solemn assembly. That's the exact thing it meant then, and you could say it means the same here tonight. Tell people, rally them together and tell them, come. Hear the word of the Lord. Judgment is coming. Darkness is coming. Some things are coming up on this earth that the only way you're going to make it through it is if you are walking close to Jesus. That's it. So now you want to know why you need to come to him? Because without him, you won't make it. You won't make it. Gather the people, 16. Sanctify the congregation. Look at this. Assemble the elders. You know who that is? Leaders. Preachers. They're supposed to be the ones helping to lead God's people. They're not to be left out. They're supposed to be first, to be honest with you. Assemble the elders. Tell all the preachers to come. Tell the elders of the church, come. We're going to see what God has to say. Look, gather the children. I want to tell some of you families in this church, the best thing you can do for those kids, what you're doing tonight, right here, 
because it's going to be the only hope for your children if they're here 15 and 20 years from now. I'll tell you something, Lucas, I saw the other night, I saw little Eli back there. I just happened to look over during the songs, one of the songs, and I seen his little eyes closed, and I seen his little hand up there, and I said, that ain't fake. That ain't fake. And that touched me to see that little boy with his hand up in there and his little eyes closed. I thought, what's wrong with these grown-ups? What's wrong with these adults? What's wrong with these people, these Sunday-only Christians? What's wrong with these people? This little boy, that's the answer for your children. Bring your children to church. Get your children to the house of God. Oh, Lord, help me. Well, they got to play this game. That, honey, the game will be there next week, but this might not be here. I said, bring your children to the house of the Lord. You can't afford not to. God might be assigning this time right here to do something in your children, but you too busy out at the ball game, praise God. It's time to get your children in the house of the Lord. Look, and those that suck the breast, Malachi, get that baby in church. Bring those infants to the house of God. Bring them where they can hear the truth of the gospel, where they can be raised in that children's church with somebody that knows what a man and a woman is, where they can hear somebody tell them what the Bible says. Where they can hear somebody tell them who Jesus is. Where they can hear somebody tell them about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Where they can hear somebody tell them about the things of God. It ain't time, church, to leave this stuff. It's time to come. I said it's time to come. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet means come out. No, we're too busy. I got this going on. I got that going on. I'm engaged. I'm getting married. I got to plan a party. I got to do this. And you ain't got no time for the things of God. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, as just as the days of Noah were, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. At the end times, second coming, he said they'll be eating, drinking, Marrying and giving in marriage and they're going to just be going right on about their everyday life until something happens and they're left out. Just as that judge, the judgment came, the rain fell down, the church went up, the ark went up and all those people were left behind because you know what they did? They laughed at Brother Noah. He's crazy. He's going to do what? Build a what? (laughs) He's going to build a what out back? And they laugh and they mock and they make fun. That's all right. Just keep on laughing and keep mocking because you wait till the hammers start nailing. Wait till the concrete starts getting poured. Wait till the walls start going up. Wait until God, because look, we're getting people ready for the rapture. We're getting people ready to meet Jesus Christ. We're getting people ready not to just come and shake somebody's hand and how you do this week? What'd you do? Where'd you go? But to get somebody that's interested in coming to hear the word of God, to hear about Jesus, the things of the Bible, 
next verse. I'm about done. Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, us, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, here's what we need to be praying, Lord, spare your people. Lord, spare these backslidden Christians. Lord, spare these apostates. Lord, spare these Christians that have bitten into this lie that they can live a mediocre life and come to church on Sunday and think everything is all right. Lord, wake them up. Spare them. And give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen shall rule over him. Listen, when you reject the word of God, the heathen, the flesh, the world will rule over you. America is a laughing stock right now. We're being laughed at by foreign enemies. They're saying, hey, that's their president? Can't even hold his eyes open? Can't even speak a few sentences without stumbling and slurring? And I'm not making fun of him. Don't misunderstand me. He don't need to be there. I mean, if they hadn't cheated and stole the election, he wouldn't be there. And I believe it. I don't believe there's no way in the world America voted him as president. I'll go to my grave believing that they cheated when they turned, when they cut ballot stations off in the middle of the night. So, oh, we got problems here. We got water leaking here. And we can't count those votes tonight. And Donald Trump was leading. But all of a sudden, the next day, Donald Trump is losing. Come on, wake up, everybody. The only way we're going to escape that next year, everybody, you better get out. No, no, hold on, let me back up. You better get right with God first. Because then your conscience is going to move you to vote for somebody who stands for the truth, who stands for the Word of God, whether they know all of it or not. But since he's been out of office, look what's happened in three years. If those people, listen, if those wicked people in Washington really had their way, this nation would be completely wiped out. Communist. We'd be like a third world country in an instant. But thank God, God does still have some people there that are fighting to keep our liberties. But you know what God wants more than that? He wants preachers to fight for the truth. To stand on his word. Because he don't want the heathen ruling over us. He don't want us becoming weakened by foreign enemies. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Here's what happens when God's people stray. Here's what happens when God's people go the wrong way. Now the enemy has opportunity to say, look at them. You see, that's why some of y'all, you struggle with stuff more than what you're supposed to. You struggle with condemnation. You struggle with stuff. You lose it on your job. You do this, you do that. And somebody says, look what you did. And, and because you won't surrender 
to Jesus daily and let him give you victory. That way they don't have an occasion to point their finger at you. Now, look, people are always going to try to find something with you. But, look, you ain't supposed to be giving them something. Did you hear that? You ought to make them search. Make them lie. Make them, hey, what, what, what happened with Joseph? Joseph lived a life. Joseph lived a life clean before God, and the devil tried every way he could to destroy him. And he had to make he look. He made the enemy Pharaoh. Pharaoh's wife. Look, he had to make. She had to work real hard just to try to come up with a lie on him and say he did something that he didn't even do. That's how we ought to live, church. We ought to make we ought to make them have to try to find something instead of us just giving people something to laugh at us about. If you follow the way of the cross, I'm telling you, nobody will be able to stand and point their finger and say, You this and you this and you this. Praise God, your life will be a rebuke to them. Some of them will shut their mouths. They won't even want to come around you, praise God, because the Spirit of God in you is going to be a reproach to them. They say, where is their God? Oh, they say their God is big. Well, where is their God? Where is everybody at in their revival? i tell you where he's at. He's right here. He's right here. And he's going with me out that door when I'm done. He's right here in the hearts of these people. That's where he's at. Where is he at? We're always looking for numbers instead of we're looking at the outward instead of the inward. And I'll tell you, I'd, I'd rather preach to a building full of people any day than have three or four people show up because it's a whole lot more encouraging. Miss Grace, you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. When you got more people, it's a lot more encouraging. I mean, when you got a building full of people, I mean, people are in one accord and they're, they're accepting the truth. And I mean, bro, they're on fire, half of them at least, and they're shouting you down, amen. I mean, boy, it makes preaching a whole lot easier. Instead of just, well, who's going to preach tonight? I'm not going. Who's preaching tomorrow night? I'm going to know, so I need to know if I'm going to come or not. Really? Where's your God? Where's your God? Hmm. Your God speaks through these other ministers here. Your God moves through all of us different ways. We pick and choose. Well, I ain't coming. I'm not going. I don't want to hear this. Listen, we're going to have to drop this stuff. You can get something from everybody that preaches here, I promise you. There's something to get. And we don't just throw anybody in a pulpit here. Praise God. I don't want to know who I'm putting up here. I ain't bringing some, some guy off the street that don't know Genesis from Revelation. I ain't putting somebody in a pulpit that just got saved. You don't do stuff like that. These people here that preach, they have been proving themselves. They show, they work, they labor, they pray, they study, and they've proven over the years that God's been using them here. Some of them's had some real hard times, but God's brought Brought us all through it and we're still here preaching. He's growing us. He's changing us. So what he's doing in me, you might be able to get a little more out of it if you just hang with us. 
And I'm going to run off the first time. Well, you know what so-and-so did? I'm leaving. <laughs> Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said that? Then people start laughing at us. We get in, we go into bondage, we live like we shouldn't live, and then people say, I, I don't want to go to his church. He's talking to me, and he over here cussing like a sailor. Y'all know cussing is a sin, don't you? Cursing. Up north is a house that cursing and down south. Cussing. It's a sin. You can't practice talking dirty language and be right with God. You can't. I don't care what you say. The filth that come out of your mouth, you can't do that and say, think you got to clean. No, you can't. You can't go around telling a bunch of lies on people. Come on and think everything's okay. You can't do it. You can't think everything's okay with you and God. You need to wake out of your sleep tonight. God wants your heart. Then he can get a hold of your conduct. And boy, when he does that, you're going to walk right. You're going to talk right. And then they're going to be accusing you saying, Well, he just act like he all holy than everybody else. Act like he don't ever sin. Act like he don't ever do nothing wrong. That's what they ought to be accusing you of. That's how we ought to be living our lives. So that they can't, they don't, they can't mock at us. They have to come up with something to ignore what we have. They say, where is their God? Let me get to the last verse till I'm done. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. So you see, if we do what God says, God does what he says. The Lord will be jealous for his land. He will pity his people. He'll show you pity if you repent. Last verse, put it up there if you will. Yes, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil. God will provide the things we need. God will provide for your family. He will provide through your job. He will provide if you put him first. If you put his will first. If you get back to letting him be the ruler of your life. If you get back to letting Jesus be number one and everything else, Jesus can't be second first. He said, I'll send the corn, the oil, the wine, and you shall be satisfied therewith. But you see, there's a spiritual meaning here. The corn and the wine and the oil, look, that stuff speaks of your, your spiritual life too. The oil represents joy in the Bible too. The joy that you need ain't coming from this world. It's coming from Jesus Christ. And I will... I know this refers to Israel when everything's said and done, but there's a spiritual application for us here tonight. I will make, I will no more make, he said, I will no more make you a reproach. So who was causing them to be a reproach? God. Why? Because they left him. And I'll make you no more a reproach among the heathen. You're going to come out. You're going to repent. You're going to be changed, and you're going to be the light that I created you to be 
in this dark world. That's what God wants from his people. That's what God wants from his church. That's what God wants for family worship center. That's what God wants for Thomas Climber. I do everything I can to try to live my life right before the Lord every day, and I still say, Lord, I don't feel like I'm doing too good at times. Lord, I still, I'm a human. And I say, Lord, I, sometimes I get discouraged. You know that? You believe that? You ever, you ever believe that your pastor will walk around sometimes saying, what's going on? Lord, what's happening? What's going on in the church? What's going on? With, well, Lord, what's going to happen? What, 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 do, what do we do, Lord? Lord, do you think I don't ever think, Lord, what's it going to take for our church? What's it going to take for our people to get really, real serious? What's it going to take for this town and people that are roaming the streets to come to their senses and get saved and and come to the Lord and see their life? What's it going to take? How much more can we stand? I think there's more to come. Again, the only way you're going to make it is by holding to that nail-scarred hand. Miss Grace, could you come for this minute, please? Kayla, I'm going to have you to sing that song that you were singing, the Here I Am to Worship. Now listen, I'm done, but God's not. If there's something tonight that you need to come to bring before the Lord, I'm going to say this. As we read in the last verse, the Lord said that if his people meet his conditions, he said, I'll send the corn, the oil, and the wine. I'll change everything for you. Tonight can be your night. It can be the beginning of a night of a change. If you open your heart, open your heart. If you want to come tonight, these altars are here. If there's something you need to come to bring to the Lord tonight, if there's something you need to repent of, if there's something you need to bring to God and say, Lord, I don't, I don't want this. If there's sin in your life that don't need to be there, it's time to bring it to the Lord. It's time to confess it. And when you do, He's forget, He will forgive you. He'll restore. He'll turn you around. But you got to be willing to forsake it. You got to be willing to say, "Lord, I want deliverance from it." If you want to come tonight, step out and spend some time here at these altars.
Because upon repentance, God said, I turn things around. Amen. 
A lot of people look at repentance as a bad thing. The Bible says it's a good thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you've been blessed tonight. Tomorrow morning, we're having a prayer meeting here. And if you want to come from 9 to 10 o'clock, we're going to be here praying. Pray right on through while we're having these services and believe for God to move a greater way tomorrow night. Amen. Come to church. Invite somebody. Sunday regular services. We'll see you there. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 1030 a.m., Sunday at 530 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.